Welcome to Raw Relationships, the podcast that keeps relationships real and wonderful. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Welcome, all my listeners, to my podcast. Tonight, I am interviewing Dr. Roberta Shaler. She is a relationship consultant, mediator, speaker, and author. She is the relationship help doctor. She provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to help people stop tolerating abuse. Even the United States Marines have sought her help. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, exes, and adult children of the relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackals. She offers strategies for dealing with the constant uncertainty and jaw-dropping behaviors of toxic people. She is the author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal Trap and Stop, That's Crazy Making, How to Stop Playing the Passive-Aggressive Game. She is the host of three podcasts, The Relationship Help Show, Save Your Sanity, and Emotional Savvy. So without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Roberta Shaler onto the podcast Thanks. to join us. Welcome. How well, are thank you? Thank you, Melissa. I'm well, thank you. Awesome. I hope the weather is nice there as, as it is here. It's gorgeous. I'm sitting outside actually doing my interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, sunny San Diego is always gorgeous. Uh, yeah. Yeah, not here. I'm Alberta, Canada, so it's, there's still lots of snow on the ground, but it's gorgeous for what it is. <laughs> well, it's lovely. I've lived in Calgary three times, so. Oh, so you know. <laughs> yeah. I know. You know exactly. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so again, thank you so much for joining me um, and joining the listeners with your message. Um, please tell us about hijackles. I am so interested to find out uh, what <laughs> what these people you call hijackals. I would love to know more about that. Sure. Well, I've spent my career helping people with conflict of all kinds, whether that's internal conflict within themselves or in their, their relationships, at work, at home, everywhere. <clears throat> my particular interest are the difficult, toxic people. But the difficult, toxic people are not the kind of people who get help. So I work with the partners, the exes, the adult children, and co-workers of these people. And I'm not very happy, Melissa, that people go off to the Google goddess and they say, my partner or my whomever behaves like this. And the Google Mm -hmm. goddess, who has no credentials, spits back a clinical diagnosis. That's not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And so as soon as that happens, then somebody says, oh, well, it's all them because they're a whatever the Mm -hmm. Google goddess said. Mm -hmm. So my doctorate in psychology, you have to know what you're doing to diagnose anyone. Google Mm -hmm. can't do that. So I wanted a non-clinical word that would describe the patterns, the traits, and the cycles that they all have. Because mm-hmm. all hijackals drink from the same pool of traits, whether those mm-hmm. traits are narcissistic, sociopathic, psychopathic, borderline, histrionic, whatever they are, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. they're all just different combinations of the same traits. So the right. definition of a hijackal 
is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own purposes and then daily scavenges that relationship for power, status, and control. Mm. That's a that's a that's a, a huge term, hey. It is because it's mm-hmm. it's essential. You know, most people when they hear it, they go, "Oh, that's perfect," <laughs> mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. the way they've been feeling. Like their life is hijacked, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. that somebody else is taking control, making them wrong, blaming them for everything. Uh, everything is it has to be won by the hijackle, even if that's where we go to dinner or something much larger in life. But the hijackle has to win. And mm-hmm. so it's very important to notice these things. It's the first step. If people who have been raised by hijackles often don't even realize the impact and imprint that's had on their life, the way they think mm-hmm. and feel about themselves, and therefore what they can achieve in life that brings them happiness and peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and do you find that uh, people that are raised by hijackals tend to maybe have those tendencies themselves as well? They have one of two things, two ends of the spectrum. Either they're going to be like the hijackal and take on those traits, or they're going to be the opposite. And they're going to be people-pleasing uh, pretzels and doormats. And I call them hijackal bait because they are sitting ducks to have someone come along and be attracted to them because they recognize that they will give their power away. That totally makes perfect sense to me. Well, it's important for people to realize that in either case, whether you became a hijackal or you became hijackal bait or somewhere in between, you didn't choose it. It happened mm-hmm. to you when you were very young. Mm-hmm. And it was situational, and you didn't have any control over that. So my task in the world is helping people recognize these traits, patterns, and cycles so they can see that outside themselves, then realize what it did to them, and then recover from it. Mm-hmm. Well, that uh, that makes perfect sense. I know for myself, um, I, I want to say I was raised by probably a couple hijackals, <laughs> and and I'm the opposite. I'm I'm very um, aware, but I find that I'm attracted to people that like to control, like just like you said, um, mm-hmm. uh, as the doormat. Right? Um, that is getting better now that I'm. I just won't put up with it. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, and, I, and I can recognize it, so it's easier. But uh, for many years, I didn't recognize it. And I just kept thinking, what is wrong with me, right? Why do I keep attracting these kind of people? So maybe you could could you touch on that? Why people, why people like, like me um, do attract those kind of people? Well, it goes back to somewhere before you were two or three years old. <laughs> when you have okay. hijackal parents, long before you have language, you are assessing the world. You're, well, you know, what, how am I? Do people like me? When I do this, does this work? What makes mm-hmm. those giants happy so they'll keep feeding me and keeping me safe? 
And right. so we're learning all of that. And when we have hijackal parents, they're very, very proud of us when we're very tiny because right. look what I produced. You know, they're, right. they're proud. They, they created this possession. And then mm-hmm. when we begin to be able to have a life of our own or ask a question or talk back, they become very competitive with us. Mm-hmm. And, and so when, as well, I think, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. and they want everything, you know, their way, and they're mm-hmm. always right, and they must win. So you don't really have much of a hope at that age to do anything differently. But mm-hmm. many people do not go back, and you're wise to go back as you're doing and say, okay, this happened to me. What is the possible effect? How can I dig down and see what has actually happened to me? What lies did my hijackal parents tell me about who I am? And I'm mm-hmm. believing them still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I found um, my mother, uh, my father committed suicide when I was young, so I don't, I don't mm-hmm. remember any of him. Um, but with my mother, she was always... Um, it was that I'm like now I know um, it was almost like I wasn't good enough. That was what I thought. That was the belief I carried was that I was never good enough. And um, I think that stopped me from a lot of things, you know, um, school, everything else is because I just figured I just wasn't good enough. And she didn't directly tell me I wasn't good enough, but it was how she uh, dealt with me, I guess, in, in such a way, right? Exactly, and and that pattern of what you need to do in order to stay out of her way or make her happy, because many times you can't make them happy, so you learn to stay out of their way. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody is giving you that that message, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, that you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough. Um, mm-hmm. my, I was raised in, my father came from a pack of hijackals, although he was a passive aggressive, he wasn't a hijackal. But my mother mm-hmm. was a full-blown hijackal. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I was caught in between because I was an only child. And my mm-hmm. mother said, you know, I never wanted children. She would say that repeatedly. Oh, no. Yeah, that, so, that can't feel good. <laughs> Well, so as I say, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, you get the sense that you're not good enough, you're not really wanted, you should stay out of the way. You can only make them proud, and when you do that, they're kind of happy for a little while, but the rest mm-hmm. of the time, not so much. And then you, 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 that's the development of your personality and the way that you believe that you are, you are being told who you are. And hijackals mm-hmm. love to define your reality for you. My guess mm-hmm. would be if you have a hijackal mother, that she likes to tell you how you feel or what you should uh, think. She, yeah, she tries to tell me what I think, what I should think, how mm-hmm. I should do things, how I should raise my kids, and everything mm-hmm. I do is not proper. You know, my I have a... I have a 14-month-old little guy, and he still drinks out of a sippy cup. It's not a bottle. It's, it's a plastic cup. But he says, she says, when you girls were, you were nine months old, walking, talking, potty trained, you know, and which isn't possible, I don't think. I, no. I, I have four <laughs> children, and none of mine were that, that good. Um, no. the, other thing I, the other thing I find with her is uh, she never praises me, but she'll praise me when I'm not around other people. Is yes, that because then, 
Sure. That's absolutely the way they roll because you're an object. And when she talks about you and you're not there, she is saying, look at the wonderful job I did. Right. But when you're there, it's like, oh, my goodness, you're such a mess. You can't get Mm -hmm. anything right, can you? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember I I took care of both my my parents uh, at home to their deaths five years Mm -hmm. apart. And, you know, I said to my mother, she was the second to die, and I, I spent a lot of time just sitting there. And I said, you know, you've never told me that you love me. And she looked at me and she said, I know. Oh, wow. I wow. mean, that, that's how it rolls, right? Yeah. I will not give away my power to suggest that I would approve of you or tell you you are good enough or tell you that I love you. Mm-hmm. Because if I did then I would have given up something. And as long as I think you're striving to get my approval or my love or whatever, then uh, withholding it makes sense. Now, Mm -hmm. in my case, it didn't make any sense at all because I just call her on it. Mm -hmm. um, That's really basically what's happening. Mm -hmm. So is that um, dealing with your mother, is that what kind of drove you to do what you do? Well, I started out to be a medical doctor, and just as I was on my way to medical school, I found out I was pregnant with my first child. So mm. I am just very, very interested in being able to help people and to diagnose situations. So I shifted mm. and got a PhD in psychology instead so that my children or my child at that point would have a mother who was present. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and isn't that isn't that huge nowadays, especially um, with parents being present and and not you know stuck in everything else but their children. You know, I find that's a huge thing. It is a huge thing, and to be present in a way that is the parent being the model of who they would like their child to emulate. Like that takes a huge, huge commitment to life to mm-hmm. have thought through your values and your vision for your life and your beliefs about everything, how the world works, how money works, how people work, all of that. Mm-hmm. And then to be in alignment with your goals and your your challenges and your purposes in life. And mm-hmm. for us to undertake to be a really good parent, requires that we have to know ourselves well enough Mm -hmm. and deeply enough to make conscious choices that we want our children to copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know one thing uh, with my, I have a four-year-old and I constantly, I'm constantly telling him he's beautiful, he's perfect, he's, you know, uh, the Mm -hmm. exact opposite just because I want, you know, I want him to really, um, have a really good start in life and, and you know he obviously he gets his he's four years old so he's not perfect but um, <laughs> you know things I can I can talk to him in a way that makes him understand you know uh, rather mm-hmm. than saying what is wrong with you why do you do that you know get out of my hair because I, I see I witness that a lot of the time with parents they're just like leave me alone get out of here and I actually Uh, The other day, he was just driving me crazy, as four-year-olds do. Um, And I said to him, I'm like, would you just get out of here and go play? And he looks at me and he says, well, that was kind of rude. Oh, my. 
<laughs> yeah. And it was like, I stopped in that moment and I was like, you're right. It was very rude. You know, I could have put mm-hmm. it in a better way or I could have done that differently. And so I said to him, I said, yes, you're right. Mommy was rude and I'm sorry, um, but I'm really trying to get some work done. So could you just go and, and play your game for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> but you see, that's great modeling too, Melissa, mm-hmm. because that allows him to, to be able to admit when he makes a mistake Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. perfect, you know, when we yeah. can say, you know, yes, you're right, I was rude, and I'm sorry, let me say it differently. That mm-hmm. gives them permission to do the same thing, that they can make a mistake, and it's all right, the world doesn't mm-hmm. stop turning. Yeah, but when you're does. in a house with a hijackal, you can't get it right, because they need yeah. the power over you so badly that... Everything you do is going to be a mistake in some way, never good mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. So they will never, ever, ever admit a fault. You right. know, right now I have a friend whose father is a hijackal and he's in hospice. And she she tried to approach him and say, do you know, I, I'd really like to talk to you about all the abuse that you gave to me and my siblings and mm-hmm. he said that never happened oh, right wow. and that's yeah. the hijackal approach like even mm-hmm. on his deathbed he cannot allow for a moment that he ever made a mistake wow and that's and a very that's fearful a, way to live mm-hmm. yeah it can't be it can't feel nice because they obviously know that it's not right right no they don't like, they don't. You don't. You think they're clueless. They're not clueless. It's because of the way that they've been raised. They don't mm-hmm. have the empathy that allows them to think how something affects another human or to care how it affects the other human. Mm-hmm. You know, they they might they might get the drift in a moment. You know, get a sense that this is not mm-hmm. feeling good or whatever. And and this is why I say. You know, we have to have compassion for hijackals because of what they've been through to become that way. But we can't mm-hmm. ever condone or enable their behavior. And that's right. a very fine line. You know, mm-hmm. like, yes, it's terrible that that happened to you and, and you therefore have these traits. However, it's not okay around me. Mm-hmm. You know, this yeah. is, these are my boundaries. And these boundaries are non-negotiable. And if you do not honor the boundaries, then there are consequences. And the consequences are definite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's, all that they understand. That's what I've done Mm -hmm. with my mom is I just just take myself out of the equation. When she starts making me feel like crap, I just say, I have to go. (laughs) Off the phone, I go. (laughs) Simple as that. That's right. Good for you. Because that's all you can do is is you mm-hmm. just don't make them wrong, you just withdraw. Yeah. And yeah. If, if, you know, there are many people who have different levels of tolerance for this behavior, mm-hmm. and there are many hijackals who, who go from showing up every minute of their lives this way to only showing up this way when they're under stress. They may not have a lot of empathy at any time, but they don't need the power unless they're, they're anxious or stressed. Um, mm-hmm. However, it's still the underlying driver for what's going on in their life on a daily basis. Right. 
So do you think the, the, the wanting for control is because they feel like they're lacking control, like their own control? Well, yes. yes. They, they are so fearful of being wrong that mm-hmm. they must have control over every situation, mm-hmm. which is why it allows them then to make everybody wrong, but it also means that they never are self-reflective, so mm-hmm. they will never get caught out being wrong, right? Right, right. And that's what makes the equation very sad because mm-hmm. that's a very difficult way to live. Yeah. And, you, yeah. you know, they'll keep pretending that they don't care and, you know, you're going to leave them. Well, good, good riddance to you. But mm-hmm. they go through people like plastic bags, you know, and mm-hmm. that's not good. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't have a feeling of of community or a feeling of family or a feeling of uh, being wanted and cherished when you behave like that and everybody wants to get away from you. And when you mm-hmm. don't have that to give to other people, people are not drawn to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a yeah. sad place to be. Not that, and let me put big, big highlights around this. Yes, it's sad. Let us have compassion for the fact that that's a very difficult place, and then mm-hmm. let us not condone or enable it in our lives. Yeah, just as you would a drug addict or anything else, right? Yeah, well, in this in this sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, not quite the same thing. But mm-hmm. if you don't, if you will not see that you have choice, in this way it's the same. If you will not see that you have choice, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But if you see you have a choice and you make one that is destructive, mm-hmm. that's a different matter. Right. And then we have the disease model, you know, that some people um, want to completely embrace when we have things like addictions. Mm-hmm. But this this is personality disorder, and uh, it's different. You know, there are mm-hmm. self-centered people in the world, but mm-hmm. they're different than per, those are personality uh, types, self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. personality disorders fall into this whole realm of traits, and mm-hmm. they, people don't change when they're in that mm-hmm. hijackal pool. Right. Right. And why do, why do you think they don't change just because they just won't admit it? And it, it obviously works for them to some extent, right? Well, I think you're right on both counts, but it, they won't change because to, they're so fragile that if they thought there was, they were anything less than perfect, they would shatter. So they mm-hmm. can't let in that idea that they are not perfect. They are not always right. It's incomprehensible to their psyche that that they would live and people would still accept them if they were able to admit that they were wrong or <laughs> that they right. made a mistake. But it's so deeply entrenched in in their way of being. And, you know, w- these things are, you, people will have, not all people who behave that way will have these, but there are three things. You have the home environment, which is huge. Then you mm-hmm. have DNA markers that give you a uh, tendency toward this behavior because it's family-based. And mm-hmm. then you have certain chemicals that wash 
through the brain that will also exacerbate some of these things. So some people have all three. Some okay. people were just raised by them, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I know um, the father of my first two, my first set of kids, my two girls, he was very much um, like that, but he was also uh, physically abusive and um, just like, I want to say crazy. (laughs) Uh, He would, when I actually finally did say enough is enough, it it didn't take long, it was maybe a year and a half. Uh, When I finally did say enough and I left him, he actually tried to kill me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even to this day, 20 years later, he's still the exact same way. He's, mm-hmm. He has not changed one bit. He still, he thinks that all these things happened and in his mind, they, I'm sure it's true, but in real life, it's very far from the truth. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And yet he will repeat that story of him being right and and he will say things like, well, any civil person would feel the way I do when that happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, he would justify and rationalize and, and all of mm-hmm. all those things in order to stay right mm-hmm. and to stay okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, good for you for for seeing that you did not want to have that in your life and you didn't want to have it around your girls. Yeah, um, many people... Yeah, that's a huge decision. Yeah, well, I just, I think what happened is a light bulb went off. I was pregnant with my second daughter, and I was like, what am I doing? I'm not going to raise my kids in this horrible environment I was raised in, because my my stepdad was an alcoholic, and he was abusive to my mom, you know, and and it was like, I'm not doing this, and so I left, and, you know, there was obviously consequences and and things I had to deal with for making that decision but even if I had it to do all over again I would do the exact same thing because it's not nice to deal with that he was to the point where he would come home at lunch to check and make sure the house was clean before I went anywhere sure Mm -hmm. ultimate control right ultimate Mm -hmm. control Mm -hmm. and these are the people who text you 30 times a day where are you Mm -hmm. what are you doing you know, yeah. if someone behaves in a controlling way like this, let's tell your your listeners, you know, if you're dating, mm-hmm. you are in a hormone haze because the reason you're dating is there's a biological imperative to have a partner. And the biological mm-hmm. imperative, of course, is to mate of some kind. And so there's a hormone flush that you have as you're dating. And you have on your rose-colored glasses. And it's really mm-hmm. hard to see red flags when you're wearing rose-colored glasses. So yeah. let's just talk about, for a moment, those red flags. You see somebody always has to be right, somebody who starts to find fault with you, somebody who tells you what you should think or you should feel, or someone who will not take you seriously about how you do feel or think. Start mm-hmm. thinking in terms of red flags. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you're yeah. currently in a relationship with one of those people or you were raised by the one and you're hearing this today, I hope you also see the red flags. And, you know, if people are interested in knowing, like, am I really with a hijackle? I have a free ebook called How to Spot a Hijackle. And you can get that at hijackles.com. And you spell that hijack, A L S dot com. So awesome. if you're wondering, read the book. <laughs> you don't see, mm-hmm. is this what
happened to me or is happening to me? And if the answer is yes, then you need to make different decisions. Mm -hmm. And do you think, um, you know, considering the fact that these people won't change, um, what would be your advice? Would your advice be to walk away from somebody that's like that or or try to fix them? <laughs> well, you can't fix them, so give up that yeah. piece. Uh, okay. And the most important thing is that every case is different. It depends mm-hmm. on how long you've been married. It depends on whether or not there's physical or sexual abuse along with the verbal and emotional abuse. It depends mm-hmm. if there are children and what the ages of the children are. It depends whether or not the hijackal has taken over the finances. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always say to people, unless there's physical or sexual abuse, let's work together so that you do your own work. You become centered. You know who you are. You can live from your values. You have good communication skills. You know what to say in the moment so that you don't always lose every conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if you leave, leave before you have those skills, then there you are, just a muddle and a puddle in a new location yeah. with children with little money and you're not yeah. empowered. So become right. empowered first if you possibly yeah. can because there's a huge amount of planning that has to go on mm-hmm. um, if, yeah. you know, to leave. And, yeah. and that's important because I've yeah. had clients who, until they looked into the finances, did not know that they charming manipulative hijackal had taken some person at the bank to lunch and said you know my partner can't come in and you know made up a big story and say but you know I do need to put this just in my name because and then they go and they find that their house or their car or something is no longer in their name and they were under the impression it was you know so there are all kinds of practical things that have to be done but more importantly there are emotional things that have to be taken care of right because you probably if you don't then you know chances are i would imagine your next relationship would probably be close to the same right (laughs) it absolutely will be because until you stop being hijackal bait it's like they can sense that Mm -hmm. you know you you will put up with this Mm -hmm. you are a likely mark i've had people who have been married to three hijackals in a row before they actually came and we worked with them and they realized it's a lot of deep work and we mm-hmm. didn't we didn't become this way in in a very short period of time so we don't leave it easily either mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. a lot of uncovering and a lot <laughs> a lot of discovering and and then a lot of recovering you know yeah, big important steps yeah, and especially if you've been dealing, you know, if you've been married to somebody like that for 10 years, you have even more, you know, because your self-esteem and everything would be just at the lowest of low because that's what they want to do, right? Right, and I have Facebook groups and there are people in there who have been married 34 years. I can think of one woman in one of the groups and she wrote and she said, until I found this group and I read your books, I didn't know what was wrong. I just felt I was always wrong. Mm -hmm. And now I'm making a plan to leave the marriage after 34 years. Yeah. Right? Isn't that something? Yeah. 
Well, it, it comes from a culture that told people 34 years ago, well, you made your bed, you lie in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are all kinds of cultural things that went along with it as well as what was happening internally to that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So how can how can our listeners um, get in contact with you? You have a website. Um, you mentioned hijackles.com. Hijackles.com is, is a website where you can get the free ebook. My website okay. is for f o r relationship help h e l p dot com for relationship dot com, and you'll find all kinds of great things there to help. And I also awesome. have a YouTube channel, which is called oh, for relationship help. Okay. And can they, um, your podcasts, are they on your website as well? So yes, everything's there. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Yes, and, and, and then in the next six weeks, I'll also have a channel on a new television station. So. Oh, nice. Well, that's Lots exciting. of great things. It yeah, is. Exciting. It is. Well, that's good. I love, I love what you're doing, and uh, I, I urge our listeners to definitely check this out. Um, and I'm assuming you do, um, you take on clients. Do you, do you do like online meetings for people that? Yes. Okay. Yes, I have clients all over the world through the magic of Zoom video conferencing. (laughs) So yes, there are no geographical barriers. Absolutely happy to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you sound like, um, you sound very um, understanding and non-judgmental. Um, you know, just my own take on on talking to you. Somebody easy to talk to. So I think, you know, for somebody that's out there, you know, really where this is hitting home, they're realizing that they're being taken over by hi- hijackal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Call up Roberta because I think I think it would be awesome um, to have her help you and. Uh, yeah, I think the big message is people are not alone, you know, as much as you may exactly. feel very alone when you're dealing with somebody like this. Um, mm-hmm. There's people out there like Roberta that will help. So um, I yes, definitely... Yes, and people can... So much. Oh, you're so welcome. And people can have a brief, free consultation. You'll see that on for relationship help too you can sign up and say i want to talk to you for 20 minutes and see what you can help me with and that's at no charge so they can have a look there awesome awesome well we won't keep you any longer because i know you're a busy busy lady um i want to thank you so so much again for joining me on my podcast and uh i wish you all the luck in the future with your new tv show you'll have to send me an email and let me know when it's going so I can watch. Oh, I will for sure. And thank you for having me as a guest, but thank you for what you're doing in the world to bring all this information to light. 